0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Again, this is our family life class teaching, ministering to the family, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, My portion of this is dealing with the body, the role of the body in the family. And subtitle this is, The Body is for the Lord. And maybe we'll get to that passage today, or maybe not. We'll see, see how this flows out. Um, but again, <clears throat> want to mention, like we said before, when it comes to the body, right, it's really interesting to me, because the spirit and the soul are those things that you can't see, you can't really touch your soul, you can't really touch your spirit, you know, you know people say, I feel the spirit, but what does the spirit feel? You know, it's kind of abstract. But the body... Oh, the body, we all understand what the body is, right? Again, we all have a spirit and soul, but the reality of the body is ever before you, right? And the body is just an expression of what's going on in your spirit and your soul. Your body will let you know, hey, this is what's really going on in your spirit and soul. Because, again, we can talk plenty of game. We can talk how we have our spirit in check. We can talk how, how again, we have our soul and and focus and conform to the things uh, things of God. But your body's like, no, no, we're about us. Right? Your body will show you what's going on, the expression of your spirit and your soul. And so the body is the instrument you use to perform the intentions of your spirit and your soul. So that means if you say your spirit and your soul is, is where it needs to be at again, go back and listen to all the teachings around the spirit and the soul, but if you say your spirit and the soul is where it needs to be at pertaining to God and his purpose, then you use your body as an instrument to perform that. Your body just shows that, right? You should be able, we should be able to see, based on your body, where your spirit and your soul is. We can see your spiritual growth through your body, through your actions, your responses. Again, understand what your body is, right? Every part of your body, is if that's your body, right? Your mouth, right? Your hands, right? You understand? Things that you use to pick up things with, things you say, that, that all part of your body. Right? You know, that's something about, you know, we start talking and say things, well, I didn't mean to say it. Yeah, you, you said what you meant. It meant what you said. That's your body. And what you said and, and, and what you did was came from your soul or your spirit. So, you know, st- stop trying to hide behind. No, you, you know, it is what it is. Again, that's why you better go back and hear them teaching and make sure you have your spirit and your soul where it needs to be at so your body can have the right expression because it's just the instrument being used. Whatever you have exposed your body to That's exactly how it's going to respond. Right? It's going to, but it's been exposed to, it's going to respond. And it's been exposed to this world. Understand, you've been born into this, into a sin nature, right? Understand, you're born under sin. So until you got born again, that's all your body knew was sin. That's it. So now you're born again, you, you got to retrain, reteach, Read, that's what we're gonna get into in a minute about how that's why it's so important to believe what is the expectation of your body. Because now I'm born again. Your body's like, what is it? your body does not understand their born again experience. Right? It doesn't. All the body knew was, hey, this is what dominated me before, now you've shown me something different. And your body's gonna resist you in that. That's why it's the body. That's why but you have dominion over your body. So the objective here is really to discuss what are, what is the standard of the body. And what is each member of the family responsibility as it pertains to the role of the body? This is two basic, simple objectives. And so last time we've really been talking about what is the standard of the body. And for the believer, here's the standard of the body. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Again, this is part of the review. The standard of the body. Romans chapter 12. Thank God, it's so good. Romans chapter 12. Here's the standard for your body. Starting at verse number 1. So we see here in this passage of scripture that he says, "I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your body." So, the, so that tells you right now that you have responsibility to present your body. As a believer now, as a believer, you understand now that the separation between spirit, soul and body. you may not really understood that before you came into the kingdom of God, but now in the kingdom of God, you understand there's a separation between spirit, soul and body, but all three makes up man, right? So, but understand that now, and it, so now he's telling you, you, the real you, need to present your body. So that means there's you and there's your body. You thought, thought my body is me. It's you and there's your body. Because understand this one day when, when, when this body ceases to exist and it returns to the dust of the ground, you will still live on. <laughs> so this separation between you and this body. Right? But while you're here on this side, he said, you need to present your bodies this is your standard first as a living sacrifice then he said holy then he said acceptable unto God then he says which is your reasonable service this is your expectation welcome to the kingdom of heaven right now you're believing like oh I'm a believer I don't know what I need I I love Jesus or you're loving Jesus here's your responsibility now you need to present your body You lovers of Jesus. Thank God. But does your body show that you lovers of Jesus? (laughs) See, we can say a lot of things, but your body's going to show you exactly what you've been actually, the reality of of what you believe. Alright, so again, he said, present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. So we talked about last time, this living sacrifice. And I love the first word, living. You know, you're on this side of a living Right? That, that means your, your body is a living organism. That means whatever you do in your body is going to respond to it. It's not dead thing. That's what I mean about everything you expose your body to has an effect. It's going to respond. It's living. It's going to respond to it. And that's how come your body has opposition. It, it'll oppose you. It'll like, it'll like resist you. Like, no, I don't want to do that. Your body because it's living. But you gotta present your body. So that means you gotta put, sacrifice means you gotta put your body on the altar. Right? You gotta crucify this flesh. You gotta bring your body under. Right? And how do you do that? That means you gotta discipline, buffet, train your body. That's what sacrifice means. You gotta discipline, buffet, or train your living body. If you don't do that, your body will still rule you. you got to train it. Because, again, I said before, you were born into sin. All your body knew was sin. Now you're talking about the things of God, the Spirit of God, and, and how God's talking about you to be a holy body. Like, I don't know. I have no idea what that means. Show me. And then once you show it, like, I don't want to do that. Once you start talking talking about fasting, by like, fasting? I thought we eat what we want to eat. What's this fast stuff? Or whatever like I said, and it may not be just food. You tell your father, we're gonna fast, we're not gonna watch certain things. We're gonna turn off the television. Turn off the streaming service. We're gonna sit down and actually read the Bible, the Word of God. Your body like, that's no fun. But remember your spirit and your soul like, yes. Renew my mind. With this Word. And that's part of you training your body. You, know, you got to bring your body under submission. Get this. It, it sounds so funny. You have to bring your body under submission. If you don't do that, then your body will continue to dominate. And you continue to go through cycles in your life, and you wonder what happens as you're a believer, a Christian, you'll be living a, a defeated Christian life because you have never put your body under submission. That is your response. That's your service. Let me tell you this God is not going to do it. You know, you read that He said, I beseech you. God ain't putting your body on the submission. You have to do that. God's giving you all the tools to do it. What's the tool that God has given us to bring our body on the submission? It's called the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. Then going back to, this, listen, I'm telling you, listen to these messages that were taught before. Powerful things. God, is, you know, that's what I love about God. God, like, I gotta, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help. I know how that body is, but I'm going to help you. All right? The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And the Holy Spirit is going to give you the conviction to bring forth the, uh, the, the authority of God to show you how to deal with your body. The, the Holy Spirit will check you so you can check your body. He's in you. What I, what I love about the Holy Spirit being in me is, like I said, there's nothing that's not hidden from Him. He's in you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your motives. He knows where you drives you. He knows every. The Holy Spirit knows everything because He's in you. He's not on the outside looking in. He's on the inside looking out. So that means when you say something, somebody says something to you and you respond, the Holy Spirit are like, nah, that was wrong response. Even on the outside, people are like, oh, that was nice. But Holy Spirit like, no, but your heart was wrong when you said that. Oh, you said that because you had different motives. See, that's the Holy Spirit in us checking us. To help us to check our bodies so we can present it as a living sacrifice. I'm going to tell you, you flow with God and, and, hey, it's so easy. Just to flow with the Lord. So with the Spirit of God. That's why you have to be sensitive to His Spirit, hear His counsel, and just apply it. And then guess what? You, your body will fall in line. You can submit your body. And that's in every area of your life. The Holy Spirit will show you what you need to do. So living sacrifice. So again, I got to discipline, buff it, train my body. Again, that means I have to deny my body those things that are not holy. i got to deny my body the things, you know, things in quotes, that are not holy. And I'm going to tell you this. Before you came into the kingdom of God, you didn't know what holy meant. So now you're in the kingdom of God. Understand holy, things that are separated for God's purpose. So that means i got to make sure my body, i got to deny my body things that are not separated for God's purpose mean, Let me be clear. I have to, I have to uh, get to my body a place where I can't expose everything to my body that is not of God. That is not holy. Again, that's the part we're going to get to eventually in the, you know, about holiness, right? There's exposure that I need to make sure that my body does not be exposed to certain things. That is my responsibility. That's my reasonable service. It's things I expose my body to. You know, don't, don't sit there and say well, the, you the know, TV was on. I had to see it. No, you didn't have to see that. You didn't have to watch that. You didn't have to look at that. You didn't have to touch that. You didn't have to smell that. No, You can tell your body. No. You can pull away from these things. Notice that so you can pull your body away. Right, so again, we keep this thing on. Living sacrifice. Things that are not... <clears throat> Uh, holy that are not that are not acceptable unto God I have to deny my body of these things. So what are the things that are not acceptable to God? Right? Then we talked about 1 John chapter 2. Let's go there. 1 John chapter 2. Things that are not acceptable unto God. Things that are not acceptable to God. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 15. It says Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in them, or not in him. So again, it's very clear he says here, right? That for you, when it comes to bring your body, as a present your body as a living sacrifice, don't love the world. That means i got to train my body to not love the world. I'll say that statement again. You have to train your body to not love the world. Not only the world, but the things that are in the world. Because the things that are in the world are not of the Father. What are the things that are in the world? For all, verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of The Father, but is of the world. So here's the training process, right? I have to train my body to present it to not get caught up with the lust of my flesh, the lust of my eyes, and the pride of life. And so we talked about these things. When I read this before, and the Lord, like I said before, the Lord had to correct me about some things. He said, the lust. The lust of the flesh. That means your flesh has a lust. What does that mean? Your flesh has an appetite. Your flesh has desires. And when we talk about the flesh, we talk about the sinful part of man. That sinful nature that you were born into, guess what? It's still there. (laughs) Well, I'm born again. I'm going to believe yes. But that sinful flesh is still there. And it still has a voice. And it still talks to you. And it, and it, and I'm telling you. and it still wants to rule you. You know, that, I'm going to tell you, that's the thing about, hey, there's like, I think it's in Romans chapter 7, there's war that's going on within you. You haven't figured this out yet, yeah, you will. That's one thing. You, once you come to the body of Christ, you realize that, hey, there's internal warfare that's happening. Because that sinful flesh, like, I don't care you got born again. Hey, I'm, I'm dominating. But then the spirit of God lives in you like, baby, it's over. Your rule has come to an end. Right? I'm Lord and Savior. So now I'm telling you how to present your body and keep your flesh under, crucified. But that saying that doesn't mean your flesh is like, okay, I'll just go ahead and bow down. No, your flesh is like, please, we're going to resist you in everything you do. So now I have to bring down, that's why it says the lust of the flesh. There's a lust that's in the flesh. Then there's a lust that's in the eyes. And we talk about this time, it's, it's perceived desires. You know, your eyes see things and then you have perception from what you perceive. And also that becomes the lust. It's things you perceive with your eyes. That's why sometimes good dishes shut your eyes, just close your eyes something you should not, again, yeah, that's what I mean by holy, something you should not expose your eyes to. Because once you see it all, of a sudden the lust of the eyes will start generating those desires and appetites. And your body responds to it. So well, that looks good. Well, I want to have some of that. That's the lust of your eyes. Right? Think about this thing that happened with with Samson, right? I believe with Samson, right? With the things that went, he went through and with Delilah, And finally he got to a place where, you know, the Philistines was upon him. And they took him. And the first thing he did was put out his eyes. <laughs> took his eyes out. He said, that was cruel. But that helped Samson out. Because that lust of eye, whatever he perceived, hey, there was no more Delilah. There was no more women that's going to decide his flesh anymore. Because he couldn't even see them. You know, where they at? I'm telling you, that's what sometimes we... Take these things into spiritually, right? In, in our lives, right? The literal, the spiritual part of that. Something we need to cut off. Something, like I said, you need to shut your eyes on. You need to be blinded to certain things when it pertains to this world. Because that's going to help you to bring your body under as a living sacrifice. Again, we're talking about ministering to the, to the, the spirit, stolen and body. We're talking about ministering to the family. Right? When it comes to husband and wise relationship with your children... There's, I'm going to tell you this. There's things that you have to put your body under in order to minister effectively to your family. Because if not, those things are going to start coming out. This world. And you wonder, where did that come from? That's the lust of your eyes. Your perceived desires. And now you're passing on your perceived desires down to your children. You're training them to go after the same thing that your desires went after. Not God, but You. It's learned behavior. That's why it's so important to understand these things. That's why it's it's so important to get this thing down in you so you can pass it on to your children to train them and teach them. And the Bible talks about the nourishment and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up in that. Not bring them up in this world. Bring them up in the nourishment and admonition of the Lord. But that means you have to have your body under. Because your perceived desires will rule you. That's how come men say things to their their sons about doing things they shouldn't be doing. Like the sons are a whoremonger. You know what a whoremonger is, right? The whoremonger is one that's speaking with the whore. And then you hear fathers say, well, at least he's not a homosexual. What kind of comment is that? That's coming from the world. See, that's your perceived desires from your flesh. Instead of saying, no, son, be holy. If you sleep with this woman, guess what? Now get get married. If you can't contain yourself, get married. Get, show them the word of God. Then it's like, well, Dad, I want to marry that girl. Then it's stop sleeping with her. I mean, it's, you know, it, I like it's cut and dry. If you sleep with a the girl, then you need to marry her. If you don't want to marry her, then stop sleeping with her. It's cut and dry. There's no gray area with God. Stop it. Repent, move on. If you don't want to marry her, then stop sleeping with her. Or, well, we don't want to get married this time. Then stop sleeping with her. Eventually, I want to marry her. Stop sleeping with her. Why? Because that is sin towards God. That's the lust. That's the lust that's in your flesh, based on the lust that's part of your perceived, uh, from, your, from the lust of the eyes that you perceived when you saw this woman sleeping with her. Cut it off. See, that's the counsel. Again, that's what I mean by ministering to the family. And see, it's it's, you know, as a father, you know, it's hard to say that when you out there. You can cut off your lust of your flesh, the lust of your eyes. You know, the son don't saw you out there carousing, flirting. Got your little side chick on the side. Come on now. See, that's the lust. That's this body. Hiding things that you think you're hiding from your children. But it comes out. The body you, the body will reveal everything that's going on to your spirit and your soul. you get to hide it all you want to the body. Your, your, your children see. They pick up on little behavior things. They watch you. you know, why are we going here? God. Your children see every little, every little look you make. They see you driving in your car, right, and then your son is there with you, and then you see this female, and all of a sudden you just, you look back to your son, like, like he wasn't watching. Or you're in the store, or you, wherever you are at, and then, you know, you're, instead of looking this way, you kind of drop your eyes, start watching something else. And children see, they like, I mean, you start telling them about the things of God, like, that... What happened to the things of God with you? The lust of your eyes. See, that's ministering to the family. You had all fathers. Be an example all the time. Again, how many of y'all be examples father. Not for show. Sure. That's what's in your heart. You've, gotten, you've got your spirit and your soul in check. So you know how to be an example to your children, to your wife. And some of y'all are crazy enough to do it in front of your wife. See, watch your wondering eyes. Let I me I, I go. Go. Got to go. Got to go. Thank you. Father, come on. Stop it. And this is the thing. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. You got to put this body under. Don't think because you're an older man now that, oh, your body's appetites are going to change. That's you know, your body That's all your body knows. It may not move as fast, but it still can look as fast. Right? Your body, it still knows that. Put it under. Again, the lust of the eyes. Then it gets into the the pride of life. Now here to me, you know, there's something about the lust of the flesh. There's a whole other thing about the lust of the eyes. But man, the pride of life is a whole different creature. Again, that's just my perception. Now, again, when I read these things, God doesn't put a, a weight on them. I don't want you to understand that. But the the pride of life is devastating. So when we look at the pride of life, we're going to spend some time talking about the pride of life today. Now when we talk about pride, now again, look up these things. I just look at the word pride. In the Greek, it talk about pride as to boil up. To boil up. I mean, it's interesting. Pride means to boil up. That means, in order, in order for something to boil, that means you got to apply heat. And the opposite of boiling up is cooling down. So pride is always boiled up. It's always heated. And it's amazing. In, in order to get boiled, that means you got to get, like I so said, you have to apply heat. That means there's something that intoxicates, or not intoxicates, but something that, that causes it to start boiling. That means to compare something you see, something you know, going back to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, all of a sudden pride, the pride of life kicks in. And it boils up. Pride. It boils. And then it comes out. Your body will, ex- will ex- express the pride of life. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 16. We'll start there. Proverbs chapter 16. The pride of life. Proverbs 16. And again, these things, like it says, the pride of life, as long as you're living, there's the pride of life that's there. In other words, you have never arrived. The pride of life will always have you boiling up for something else. You know, you go get a house and then somebody else get a house. And that house is bigger than yours. Here comes the pride of life. You need a big got a bigger house and you get, you need to get a bigger house. Something else new comes out. Somebody else got something that you don't have. The pride of life like, oh, you need to go after that now. It's always going like the flesh is never satisfied. What can satisfy me? The word of God. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Then you shall be satisfied. If not, you're going to always be striving for the pride of life. And guess what? You will never, ever attain it. Proverbs 16. Look at this starting at verse 17. It says, The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. (laughs) The highway. That means the role you need to be on as the upright, upright believer, is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So your pride is always going to come before your destruction, your demise. Because the pride is going to boil up and go after something. What I mean by pride is going to bubble up and go after something, it's going to cause you to go after something. It's going to cause your body to respond. And and when it goes after something, it's not going after the things of God. It's going after the things that it wants. That's the pride. Verse 19, Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Stay with those that are humble. Humility. Stay there. If not, you're going to be caught up in destruction. And when we talk about destruction, we're talking about destruction not only for you but for your family. Pride will lead to destruction in your home. The pride of life. And again, you will obtain some some things, some stuff, but look at your home life. You know, you'd rather be at work than be at home. Because your home life is so regular. And now we're in this virtual world. I know some of y'all, hey, you got some serious issues. Because you can't, you can't separate work from home now. Because you're working at home. So I mean, all those issues are all there before you. That's the, because of the pride of life has gotten you to that place. So pride is self-recognition of accomplishments. Without acknowledging God. Pride is your self-recognition of accomplishments without ever acknowledging God. And I'm not, when I'm talking about acknowledging God, I ain't talking about the stuff you see on the, the war show when they're like, oh, I just look up and throw their hands up. We thank God for this award. That's no acknowledgement of God. When you sing the songs that curse and talk about women anyway, and you're going to say, oh, we give God glory for that. I thank God. God has nothing to do with your soulless rewards. That's not acknowledging God. But pride is that self-recognition of your accomplishment, your achievements, while you don't even acknowledge God. Look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Look at this in verse 11. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and 11 says, Beware, That thou forget not the Lord thy God. i say this again. Beware. That thou, that you, forget not the Lord thy God. In not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes. Which I command you this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full. And hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, called the pride of life, then in thy heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. You forget that God has brought you out of bondage. But you got all your stuff. The pride is all there. Verse 15. Who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness. So you forgot that God led you through the wilderness. Man. Wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and droughts where there was no water. Who brought thee forth water out of a rock of flame. You forgot God. What... Here's what God has done for you. while you caught up in your achievements and your accomplishments. God has given you protection and provision. God has provided you that. God. Not you. God provided you protection and provision. And you forgot that because all you're looking at is your accomplishments. Without God's protection, without God's provision, you would not have any accomplishment. You would be gone. The wilderness would have chewed you up. All the fiery serpents would have got you. Those things would have devoured you if it were not for God. But you forgot about him. See, that's the pride of life. You don't, I'm saying, you don't remember the times when God has brought you through. What I mean by God? like God's giving you favor that you don't even know about. When the times you're going through, your schooling, your training, your job, your workforce, whatever you're at, it's God orchestrating things on your behalf. And then here you are now, you've got your achievements, you've got your fat bank account, whatever that is, and you want to say, look at me. God's like, really? You forgot the Lord like that That's the pride of life. Verse 16, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna. Again, provision. God fed you. There's times in your life it was real lean. I'm, I'm going to tell you, growing up, you men, I never knew. <laughs> in your parents' home, they may have had tough times, but you still ate. You may never know the struggles your parents had but you still ate. You still had clothes. God provided. Fed thee in the wilderness of manna which thy fathers knew not that that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee good in thy latter end. And thou say in thy heart here you are and thou say in thy heart my power and the might of my hand had gotten me this wealth. Right? Again, now you're saying you're the one that provides protection, you're the one that provides provision. I'm the one that got this wealth. That's the pride of life. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that has given thee power to get wealth, <laughs> that He may establish his covenant. Which he swear unto thy fathers, all as it is this day. Remember, guys. Like, let me tell you something. I'm giving you the power to get wealth. Understand? You may have attained wealth, but, to, but in order for you to get to the place where you obtain wealth, it was God. And now you have your wealth. What about him? Again, what are you? What are you doing about ministry? with all the wealth you have. Again, we're talking about ministering to the family. Your family should see your hands on the ministry. What ministry? Your local ministry. You should make good every opportunity to give. Are you talking about money? I'm talking about, yeah, part of it is financial, but also your time. That's not yours either. Your sacrifice, your living sacrifice should be towards your ministry. Why should it be towards your, your mentor of the ministry? Why? Because that is God's establishment. That's how you've gotten fed. That's how come you have been able to excel in the things you've done in your life. It's through God teaching you the things of, of His strategies and His ways to get you to a place where you can be successful. God did that. Not you. You've forgotten God. That's why you can go off and do things that pertain to your flesh, your body, and then you sit there and say, "Well, you sitting, you sitting there on a Sunday morning Instead of hearing the program, you out there doing whatever you're doing. Instead of watching the live stream. And then whatever you're doing, you say, oh, God, ain't God good? Sitting there with your family, eating some breakfast at some place. Not even watching the program. Talk about how good. You sit there and bless your food like, like God is doing. All, and you miss the word of God. See, that's, so, that's the pride of life. Well, before you got to that place, you didn't miss no services. But now the pride of life has happened. You're after it. That's what's important to you. That's your value. God, like, you forgot me. That's the pride of life. And your body is showing, expressing what what your spirit and your soul is. You're about the things of this world. God said, love not the things of this world. Love the Lord God with all. Thy heart. Not this world. That's the pride of life. And these prideful attitudes are showing up in the family. They're there in the family. So here's this thing that I wanted to get to, and I just thank God for His grace and His mercy. What I mean by that. There's things that you need to do now to help you in this area of the pride of life, in your home, in your family. There's a challenge. We're going to, I'm going to give you a challenge. Well, I'm saying I, I heard from God. Give you a challenge to help you when it comes to the pride of life. Right? Because, again, we think about pride, what's the opposite of pride? Humility. Some of y'all need to humble yourself in your home and your family. And I'm going to give you a simple challenge to do. To show that you can humble yourself in your home and your family. And what I mean by challenging a challenge in your home is for everybody. Remember the family unit is the husband, it's the wife, and the children. So that means everybody has a responsibility to do. Here's a challenge. For the next five days. Starting today. It's not like starting today. The next five days starting today. Husbands You're going to start this, is you're going to wash your wife's feet. What? I thought it was going to be something... You're going to wash your wife's feet for the next five days. Husbands, wash your wife's feet. And wives, in the same five days, you're going to wash your husband's feet. And then children that live in your home, for the next five days... The children are going to wash their parents' feet. Again, it's a challenge. You can do, hey, you can do whatever you want to do. I ain't washing that man's feet. Nasty. I, I wish I would have been. And children like, wash my daddy's feet? Five days. Because here's when the Lord said this to me, I said, Lord, well, just do it one time. The Lord said, no, five days. The next five days. Because you know, one time, you know, you can go through it. Five days, you're gonna be irritated. That's the whole point. Dealing with your flesh and your body. Next five days, the challenge is up to you. I'm taste, I ain't got I ain't got nothing to prove about what I heard from God. I know what the Spirit of God said to me. Next five days, wash husbands, wash your wife's feet. Wives, wash your Uh, husband's feet. Children, wash your parents' feet. Well, how do you wash feet? I'm glad you asked that. Turn to John chapter 13. In my last few minutes. John chapter 13. Well, I don't know what foot washing is. John chapter 13. Tell you everything we get is from the Scripture. It's the Word of God. We pass over... John chapter 13. You gotta go, son. You gotta go. John chapter 13. Look at this in verse... Starting in verse three, since you think you above washing feet. Verse 13, John 13 I'm sorry, John chapter 13, verse three, excuse me. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. Again, Jesus knowing all this, that God has given him all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God he rise he rise it from supper laid aside his garments took a towel and girded himself after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded so that means you're going to get a towel you're going to get a basin right and then you're going to put water in there and then for husbands, you start this, put your wife's feet, put wife's feet in the in the basin, and wash it. And not only wash it after you wash your feet, dry it off. So her feet's dry. And then the wife gonna go get a, a basin. Again, fresh water. Don't use the same water that she just he just washed your feet with. Put it in a water in a t- I mean water in the basin. Get your husband's feet, wash his feet. And you know what a wash means, right? Wash is different than rinse. I mean, some of y'all need to understand what comes kind of to washing dishes, right? It's called washing dishes, not rinsing dishes. Anyway. Washing requires soap and a little, you know, el- a little elbow grease. You know, I guess y'all, I- I'm sorry, y'all the dishwasher generation, right? I grew up, I was, a, I was a dishwasher in my home. My father had a, I gotta go. My father had a schedule for all his children in the house. We had to wash. We had to do the kitchen. It was called the kitchen duty. Even, the kitchen duty included the, the dishes, but it was the whole kitchen had to be clean. Mop the floor, wash the dishes, dry them, put them back up, all the pots and pans, wipe down the stove. Anyway, so that washing is different than, Clint, than uh, rinsing. So you've got to wash your wife's feet. That means you've got to put some soap in there, right, some water. That means you've got to wash it. Her feet and then rinse it off. Make sure all the soap is in between her toes and it and then dry her feet off. Right? And then what happens after that? Then her feet maybe a little ash, you may have to put a little lotion on it. Hey, I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to help you. She may even get a foot rod a foot rub out of it. I'm just trying to help you, brothers. Do what the Spirit of God says. Wash your feet. Dry it off. I ain't see they put a lotion here. You do that. You Anyway, you'll figure it out after you wash and dry her feet with some soap. All right? And then dry it off. Okay? <clears throat> so the husband's going to do that first. Then the wife's going to turn around and do that. And then the children that's in your home going to go get a, their own basin. You know, basin means like a bucket, something that, you know, a pan, something that they can put their feet in. And then you're going to wash your mama's feet and your daddy's feet. For, start with your dad. And it's not a play game. We're not in here playing bubble. You're going to sit down. They're going to grab their feet. You're going to put their feet in there. You're going to wash their feet with some soap. Rinse it off. Take a towel and dry their feet off. That's daddy's. Then you're going to go to mom. Mom will put her feet in there. She's going to be talking to you. You know how mamas are with their children. Then you're going to wash their feet. Dry it off. Because, oh, you did such a good job. Anyway, you know, anyway. And then, that's day one. It's cute day one. By the time day five come, humility would have set in. Do that for five days straight. Why should I do that? Verse six again. Again, Jesus did this. He said, Then come unto the Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, what I do, what I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Washing your feet is part of the family structure to show that we are a family. We are here together. We're part together. We are connected together. Things we've been talking about in this ministry. We are connected. And washing our feet will show our connection. This is an expression of our connection. And humility for one another. That no one's better than the other. We all have a part to play this hierarchy in the kingdom. We understand that. But when it comes to the the other things, we don't get caught up with those things. Those prideful things of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. Wash the feet. So we have a part with one another. Simon Peter said unto the Lord, Not my feet only then, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said unto him, He that is washed, Neither not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who he should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So after he washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me master and lord, and ye say, Well, for I, so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. So now, this is why you do it. This is not a question, who's a master? Look? Who is a master? The Lord is a master. He's given us an example. In your home, fathers, you start with you. Because God has given you the direction for your home. wash your wife's feet. And then your wife, turn around, wash your husband's feet. And then children in the house, you wash your parents' feet for five days. We're dealing with the pride of life. Would that bring you to a place of humility? Again, that's a challenge. You do whatever you want to do with it. But if you want to see changes in your home and your life when it comes to the body, it's for the Lord, start here. Amen.